you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents the Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host. Speedy, I need more peace, Speedy. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network Super Bowl weekend. Yes, the final game of the year for the NFL. It went so fast, Speedy. Unbelievable. Even with the extra week for the regular season, this has been unbelievable. Great season uh, for football. Football season is always the one that flies by the most and then ends up having the longest, most draining off season for the most part. Well, baseball is going to have a nice little flyby season because it doesn't look like there might be one. Nope, they're not starting till May <laughs> or so, June at this rate. Max Scherzer going to the Mets, not a big deal because we might not get the chance to see him no, this year. More, so. more injury slash burnout recovery time, I guess. <laughs> so that's one year of highest paid money being shedded by the New York Mets. So I know, obviously, our Uncle Stevie doesn't care. Money is no object to him, but uh, and that's why he spent it on the offseason again. But it's crazy what's going on with baseball. Uh, the trade deadline, the NBA trade deadline. James Harden gets his wish again. He wanted to be traded from Houston to the Nets because he wanted to play with his best friend, Kevin. And then all of a sudden, scoots away to the 76ers, reaching out to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets decide to move on from James Harden, this experiment that really never worked. They were 13-3 with all three of these guys, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant in the lineup. That's a good football team, but for basketball, Horrible, man. Absolutely horrible. For all three players not to play more than 16 games together. If they played together going into the playoffs this year, I think they win the NBA championship. I think they're that good. I know a lot of Net fans think that this fits what they need and, and some of the pieces that they added with the Seth Currys of the world and rebounding. The superstar of this trade was James Harden. The 76ers were playing without Ben Simmons. And Seth Curry is averaging about 15, 16 points a game. That's great. He's only playing 25 minutes. And the other pieces, I think when you look at the big picture, adding James Harden to the 76ers, it does look better for a guy like Joel Embiid who's been looking for that second option. So I do think the 76ers won on this trade. We have our very special guest. We will be talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. This guy's got some personality. You guys are going to love this guy. Personality-wise, tells you the stories that you want to hear. Going to talk about his past in the NFL. He's an owner of a restaurant, Ocean 97, in Louisiana. And he's the ambassador of an app, Chef to You. I think he needs to change the name, but I'll talk to Jarvis during the show <laughs> and ask him why he, asked, uh, why he decided to pick that name. Chef to You. And then we have Moneyline Mania. With Chaz and the crew, you guys want to bet. They have so many prop bets and parlays that you could pick from. It's a must-listen to, so we're going to go throughout the Super Bowl. Their thoughts on where the game could go, so definitely tune in. This is going to be a great show. By the way, it's a beautiful day. It's been a beautiful weekend so far. Friday has been like 55 degrees. Saturday throughout today, it's been closer to 60. It's beautiful. It really is. Spring is around the corner, but it's still we haven't even hit the cold front 
of winter yet, even though we had a lot of snow the other day. But I think we're going to see another cold front before we get spring. But it is a beautiful weekend, and hopefully tomorrow it's even better, Speedy. So mm-hmm. why don't we get into the Super Bowl? Did anybody think that the Bengals would be here? And throughout this season and going into the playoffs, nobody in their wildest dreams thought that Bengals would be sitting here, especially with the Las Vegas Raiders and what happened, the debacle of the call that the refs didn't make. And everybody thought if that call actually was waved off and that touchdown was waved off, the Las Vegas Raiders would be here, not the Bengals, which I beg to differ. What Joe Burrow has done so far in such a young career. He's been in the league for two years. He tore his ACL, his MCL, practically his whole knee, came back as fast as he did, won four games last year, and completely turned around this team to win a division. A lot of people had no chance of thinking they were going to win. With the Cleveland Browns and the acquisitions they made in the offseason and the talent that they have, Baltimore Ravens have been a talented team. Lamar Jackson, who was MVP a couple of years ago and some of the acquisitions they made. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers, the last year for Ben Roethlisberger, a lot of people thought that Pittsburgh was going to be in it to win it as well this year. And the Bengals, with their woes in their offensive line, that's played much better this year. And some of the youth, Williams played very well this year. And if everybody doesn't remember, Jonah Williams, a couple of years ago, came into the league from Alabama, was a top pick. Yeah, who I wanted the Giants to draft. I remember that. And he got hurt, and he missed uh, a year and a half. And now he's come back and slowly but surely has transitioned and changed this offensive line to a Super Bowl champion offensive line. I say Super Bowl champion because a lot of people are thinking that they're going to surprise the world and knock off the L.A. Rams. But you look at this game, and they're two very different teams. You have Joe Burrow, a young quarterback, really playing like a veteran. They call him Joe Cool. He likes the glamour and the glamour off the field and on the field. This guy has a chip on his shoulder. Remember what happened with Ohio State, how Urban Meyer completely turned his back on him. He decided to get into the portal. He goes to LSU. He wins the Heisman. He wins the national championship. And from a guy that nobody thought was going to be a first-round draft pick, either a fourth-round draft pick, becomes the number one pick of the draft and has just shown you what a kid could do even when people throw him to the Wolves. And we remember Tom Brady, and I've told everybody on this show and on the other shows that I've been on, I believe if there's anybody close to Tom Brady, it's Joe Burrow. Battle-tested for sure. Joe Burrow has done well late in the games. The Bengals as a team have done well in close games this year, and that's what you want to see out of a young team. You definitely saw last year them progress in terms of getting closer. They were playing close, and a lot of the losses were close. It was showing that they're a battle-tested team. And now this year, they're winning a lot of those close games. You saw a lot of wins on game-winning field goals, a lot of wins in overtime, a lot of games in overtime overall this season, and a lot of good matchups against playoff caliber teams. They barely got blown out this year, and that shows a lot of what this team is made of. It shows a lot what Joe Burrow's made of. And even this defense, they've won a lot of games late in the season defensively against the Broncos. They won a low-scoring game even when Burrow was struggling. In certain matchups late in the season in their division, they won a lot of those low-scoring games. So they can shows they can win in every single way, too. And Burrow did it in so many different ways. When Chase got taken out kind of in the middle of the season, then when other guys got hurt, when the offensive line was just really struggling at certain points. They still won a lot of tight games. They won in their division. That's what they needed for them to do. And we saw that carry over into the playoffs. All three of their wins were all close games. And yeah, you could talk about the Raiders and the questionable non-call. Whatever. They probably get a field goal on that drive. So they, they still likely win that game. It's the same kind of thing when people say the Patriots would have won if they called the illegal formation on the Eagles. No, the Eagles still would have got a field goal then too. So you can't really blame that bad call for the Bengals and lean towards the Raiders. And then the Titans game, 9 sacks, still wins. Last week against the Chiefs, down 21-3, to a mon- 
monumental comeback in the loudest stadium in the NFL. So it proves a lot about the Bengals being so battle-tested. And also, when you look at the Rams, Matthew Stafford, everybody keeps talking about legacy. Does this hurt Matthew Stafford's legacy? If anything, it helps his legacy. I don't think it affects anything. Matthew Stafford, this is the first time he's playing on a Super Bowl contending team, and he goes all the way to the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, he's the veteran quarterback, and you're going to bet on the veteran quarterback, but we've seen this many, many times. Russell Wilson, remember when he played Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl here in New York? Everybody thought Peyton Manning's Broncos, that offense was legendary, one of the best offenses of all time. And then they go into MetLife Stadium against the very young Seattle Seahawks and the very young Russell Wilson, and they laid up a lousy goose egg. And Peyton Manning loses another playoff game and another championship that he could have put on his resume. So again, you look at Joe Burrow. This is a game where Joe Burrow really changes his name from Joey Cool to Joey Elite. And I think he, right now, is on a cusp of being an elite quarterback in his league if he's not already. I also look at Henderson coming back. He could play a big part in this game for the Rams. I think Henderson, out of all the three running backs that they have, and they have a trio of Sonny Michelle. Acres and now him. If Henderson comes back, I expect them to use him a lot in this game. He's a beast of a man that can run on the outside. He can run through power, run through walls. I think they're going to use him enough where it's going to open up the field for the wide receivers. I think Cooper Cup will have a big game. I think the guy that's going to be shut out in this game is Odell Beckham. And the reason why is they are not going to be able to stop Cooper Cup. They tried last week San Francisco, who's a better secondary than the Bengals do, okay? There's no question that. And they double-teamed Cooper Cup, and they couldn't stop Cooper Cup. He had over 140 yards, two touchdowns. You can't stop him. So if you keep him to two touchdowns and 100 and some yards, and that's the only guy that scores in the game except a field goal kicker, you have a chance to win this game. I think they try to shut down Cooper Cup as much as they can and not let Odell Beckham beat him, not let Jefferson beat him. Let the game be won by the defense, and that's what usually happens. Defense wins championship. I'm going to bet more on Von Miller in their front seven, a guy that's done it, who's been a Super Bowl MVP, and Aaron Donald, who I think is the best defensive player we've seen, I think, when it comes down to it, of all time. And then there's Jalen Ramsey, who I think is not 100% healthy. He did not look very good against Tampa a couple weeks ago. I do believe Jamar Chase is a guy that he's never played against, and I think he's going to cause a lot of problems for Jalen Ramsey, Speedy. I mean, it's interesting what they're going to do with Jamar Chase because they've maneuvered him around in so many different roles. And you saw the Chiefs double-team him after he had that 266-yard performance in the regular season against them. And you also saw against the Titans him being used on a lot of screen passes more to counteract the Titans' man blitz and deeper zone blitz type scenarios. Now, they still allowed nine sacks, so it's not like they completely did it, but Jamar Chase was still getting a lot after the catch, and I think that kind of motion game could be something that the works make it work against this Rams defense, because Jalen Ramsey, it's claimed that he always shadows the number one receiver like every single snap, but that hasn't been the case when you can get other guys in motion. We saw the 49ers do that with Debo Samuel in a lot of their matchups. Even teams with lesser receivers we've seen try to do that even if they are labeled as the number one receiver in certain matchups that can work against Jalen Ramsey. So if Zach Taylor is going to out coach the defense in this matchup, they're going to have to use Jamar Chase in so many different ways. And we've seen that in the postseason. In terms of some X factors, there's two guys I like on the Rams. You mentioned Henderson. I think they're going to use him a lot in motion because he's also one of those kind of receiver running back hybrids when he was in college and very shifty. 
And he's a guy that's going to try to send guys in motion and maybe try to have him bite in man coverage or blitz or something like that. And also I like Van Jefferson and Robert Blanton in this game too. Physical Van Jefferson against some bigger Bengals corners. And Robert Blanton, who's kind of serving that tight end wide receiver hybrid role with Tyler Higbee out. And the Bengals have struggled this year against tight ends. Even though they did do a good job against Travis Kelsey, 10 catches, 95 yards to the touchdown is still good, but they limit him to short catches. Oh, absolutely. You look at what Jamar Chase can deliver, and how about Higgins, who's been sensational really throughout the playoffs. Uh, Everybody keeps talking about Odell Beckham being the second best or the third best wide receiver in this game. I beg to differ. You look at Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup, you can argue one or the other are the two best in this game. And then I believe it's Higgins. I think T. Higgins is so underrated. He had over 1,000 yards this year. I think he had eight touchdowns. He's been really, really good. He's a big guy. He's a big target. And who's going to stop him? If Jamar Chase is getting taken out by Ramsey, who's going to take out T. Higgins? Williams? Weddle? Are you going to really do that? I think Higgins is going to play a big part. But the guy to watch, if you're a betting man, it's Tyler Boyd. I think he's the guy. If you want to bet on something right now, if the Bengals have a chance to win this game, It's going to be Boyd. I think Boyd is a sensational route runner, slant plays. You could do so many different things with him on the outside, and you could put him in the slot as well. I think Tyler Boyd is going to play a big part in this game. Joe Mixon is going to play a big part in this game if the Bengals have the chance to win. So it's so interesting. And and Sean McVay, the person that has the most pressure going into this game is Sean McVay. Sean McVay is the coach of this team. Not Matthew Stafford. Sean McVay is the one who wanted to trade for Matthew Stafford. Not Matt Stafford. And Sean McVay gave up his young quarterback that took him to the same place, the Super Bowl, a couple of years ago, and came up short. It wasn't because of the quarterback. It was because of the Bill Belichick wanting to take out the young offensive-minded coach in Sean McVay, who did nothing offensively in that game against Bill Belichick. So Sean McVay is the one who has a lot of pressure on him. If Sean McVay doesn't come out a winner in this game, you're talking about losing Von Miller in the offseason, Odell Beckham, who will not re-sign with them next year. There's no way they're going to be able to pay him, especially coming back and playing as well as he has in the second half with the Rams. He's going to be looking for a big contract, and the Rams are not going to be able to give it to him. So he will be out. So you gave up all that draft stock. And you come short, and you're you're probably not winning a Super Bowl next year because you don't have the money. You don't have the draft stock. This is their chance. If they don't do it this year, they're not doing it anymore. So Sean McVay will be looking for a new job very, very quickly at the end of next season. I think he'll obviously be there next season because he's been to a Super Bowl twice. But they're not going to win next year again. And that's four times they have not gotten over the slate. So I, I think that right now the pressure is on Sean McVay. As good as a coach he is and as good as he's been since he's taken over that job, it's all about winning Super Bowls, especially moving to L.A. and having the Super Bowl in your home city, in your home stadium. At SoFi, you expect him to win the game. And how about the halftime show? Are you looking forward to seeing a little Eminem? Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Or Mary J. Or how about... Uh, you know her well. Yes, Dr. Dre or... Kendrick Lamar, or how about Snoop Dogg? Yeah, Dogg. You're not, don't ask Snoop, me to say Snoop Dogg doesn't want to see the Bengals in the Super Bowl as a Steelers fan, I'm sure. No. <laughs> to me, it's, it's going to be a fun game. Expect a very, very close game. And also, expect one of these quarterbacks to really become center stage going into the offseason. Matthew Stafford has always wanted to be center stage as the quarterback and a winning quarterback. If he wins... He's going to be center stage for the whole offseason and have the opportunity to hoist that Lombardi trophy. But if Joe Burrow wins this game somehow, the superstar, the contracts, the endorsements that this guy is going to have, this kid's going to have moving forward in his career could be unbelievably outrageous. 
So expect it. And also the F- Super Bowl commercials are going to be fun to watch, which I watched a lot of them, by the way. Some of them are funny. Kevin Hart's been on a couple of them. They always have the one with the NFL players where they do some crazy stuff last year. They were tackling each other. Yep. I'm interested to see what's going to happen this year. I haven't seen a commercial like that, but I'm sure they're going to have one. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will have Jarvis Green, the voice, and the sports knowledge and the drinking knowledge of Jarvis <laughs> Green. He'll be talking about his Ocean 97 restaurant and his new app where you can actually buy food on Chef to you. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about his career with the Patriots, with Tom Brady, because he watched Tom Brady grow, and, and all the other stuff and his craziness here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back. You know this, Jarvis. Got a little beat here. Whoa, I'm a little dancing over here. As you guys know, we are the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co host, Speedy. I need to comb my hair, Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. And why not have a comedian laughing in the car? He's getting a chauffeur to take him around Boston right now because he's promoting his new restaurant, his new app. And Tom Brady's retirement, and you're probably going to be there partying it up because you're drinking your cocktail right now. We are now talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. What's going on, Jarvis? Guys, what's going on? What's <laughs> happening, man? <laughs> I love the hat, man. That hat really stands out. It's beautiful, man. Thank you, man. I'm just ripping and running. I'm in Boston. It's been a busy few days for work and also just with Tom Brady, oh. with Brian Flores. It's just so much stuff is going on right now. It's crazy, man. We'll get into that in just a few moments. Before we get into your career, why don't you tell the fans a little bit about what you've been doing since you've retired? Obviously, you're an owner of Ocean 97 Restaurant in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and also you're an owner and ambassador of Chef 2 You. So tell a little bit about what you've been doing since you've retired so long story short i mean when i retired 2010 i was in denver i got cut on the last cut day that was terrible by josh mcdaniels and then i ended up staying in denver for two years worked in north dakota built some man camps made some money lost a ton of money got divorced whoopity (laughs) do i did construction for a little while because i went to school for construction management but then around 2012 2013 i got into the seafood industry now you did mention restaurant now when i played ball I did own a restaurant in a little town called Donaldsonville, Louisiana. That was my hometown that I grew up in around 2006 to 2009. But now, presently, I have Ocean's 97. I'm a wholesale seafood distributor. So a lot of shrimp, seafood, food service, retail. And also I have Chef to You. That's a new app that's coming on board. What people don't know, they may have known if they went on the website, chef that we signed a huge deal with uh, Simon Property Group, the largest real estate owner in the United States and largest mall owner. And we're working with our company, Chef to You, and Simon has teamed up. And we start our food launch, our app launch in Florida and California. You got the other apps like Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash, all that stuff. 
It's something like that, but it's not similar, but it's very detailed. It's more for the chefs. It's half the price. It's more about BYOB, be on brand. So that's what I'm doing right now. Chef to you, Ocean 97. As you guys know, we are talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. So, Jarvis, why don't we get into your career? And you had a, a pretty good career, 28 sacks. You played in the NFL for about eight years. So when you were drafted yep. in the fourth round, 126 overall by the Patriots, what was it like, your name being called, on the second day? It was amazing. I didn't know where I was going because prior to the actual draft, those two days, I never talked to the Patriots. I had no conversation with them, no trips. It was a lot different on the way it is now when they have guys flying out and, you know, the way the way the NFL teams recruit players. So I didn't have all of that. I didn't have all the luxuries. But then I got drafted here. I left LSU with Coach Nick Saban, and then I came to Belichick. And, of course, if people know, Belichick and Saban are like best of friends. They're, they're like my buddy. <laughs> you know, my buddy. That's them, right? Just when I got here, man, I mean, my eyes was wide open. I was blown away. They just won the Super Bowl. They beat the greatest team on turf, the Rams. And then we had the young Tom Brady. That's kind of where his career started, you know. So for me, it's been a blessing just to come up to New England and also just to be a part of all the success. So why don't we talk about your New England career? And you've had an illustrious career. You won two Super Bowls with the Patriots. You got the chance to see Tom Brady really grow as a quarterback. What was it like to play with Tom Brady and play for Bill Belichick? I mean, it was a great opportunity, man. It was tough. Bill Belichick wasn't an easy guy to play for. Very demanding. A lot of times you walk on eggshells, but you know what you had to do. Life wasn't simple. Or week in, week out to play for Belichick. But again, to say it was an honor because I've learned so much from him as being a player and I've evolved. But also playing with Tom Brady and watch Tom Brady grow and evolve as a player from one Super Bowl now to seven Super Bowls. When you're in the zone, I guess a lot of guys could say about Jordan or Wayne Gretzky or the great Barry Bonds. Whoever you want to call your great that we're in the midst of a goat of a legend so in new england my first few years you're watching time play and then i remember when we won back to back 0304 but then 07 came and we had that great season and we lost and i'm gonna say this man after we lost that game after being undefeated i thought the patriots we would never win anything after that i thought that was our run and it was said and done but that wasn't true as you guys know, we are talking to former Patriot defensive end Jarvis Green. So Jarvis, 2006, you really became a starter as a New England defensive end. And really, the defense really started to pick up because we all remember the 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005 defense, you know, with the Teddy Brewskis of the world. It started to transition with you and the other future defensive players. It really built through the 2007 undefeated season when you went and you played the Giants in the Super Bowl. What was it like playing in that year, in 2007, with Randy Moss and that offense, how dominant it was, and the players that you got to play with on that fantastic team? I'm going to say this, man. You watch Kansas City, you watch these other teams playing, and they put up all the points. And then you show, like, Kansas City is a great team, but their defense was ranked 25-27. I'm going to say all of my years, you can go check the stats, we had tremendous offense, but our defense was just as good or great. When I say that, I'm talking about my years that we was kicking everybody ass. We was top 15 in everything, but when it came to points, we was top five. I know we used to talk to the offense and say, hey, man, if y'all just score 21 points, we're going to win the game. So we're going to keep them under 14. That's the kind of defense we had, but the confidence was crazy, and we could be down. Look, oh, guess what? That 07 year, mm-hmm. we broke a record. I mean, not a record, but we had like five, six or seven comeback games. Yep, I remember that. Yep. So I can remember we sitting there, I remember Vrabel 
Colvin. We down by 14. We like, we look at the scoreboard. Yeah, we're going to win. We're going to win the game, pop champagne, whatever. But we had so much confidence in the team because we knew we had Tom Brady. We had Randy Moss. We had Wes Welker. We was killing people, man. I'm not bragging. Just it happened already. So I can brag about it. It happened already, right? Yes, it did. But it was just amazing, man. When Randy came in, I remember when he came in the, the training camp and everybody knew who Randy was. He was a badass when he pulled his pants down and mooned everybody. You know, not pulled it down, but he portrayed it. And he mooned everybody in Green Bay, whatever he was, Vikings. And when he came in, I was kind of like starstruck. Randy freaking Moss, the man. Practice, bro? He was making catches I've never seen before. It was like a Randy Moss show at practice. And I saw times Belichick face, he made faces like, oh, my God. What did we just create? People probably patted the door in the back. Great move, GM. Great move. I was honored to play around a lot of legends in New England. So Bill Belichick always is thought of as more of a stale guy, doesn't say much, and but he's also very disciplinary very. on the field. What was he like yeah. on and off the field when you were playing there? And do you have a unique Bill Belichick story? Bill's very stale. Well, he grinned, but he cracked his jokes, man. And it was like, where did he pull this out of his ass? <laughs> and then he talks about it. He may say something, but he look up in the crowd, and he just grinned. Everybody cracking up laughing, and every joke he had was dry, but it was funny, and he was very comical. Now, when it was time to work, he was dead serious, man, but he was a great coach. I'm going to say this, though. Like, if you're the young guy walking through the hallway, you could have his newspaper and reading it. He have his head down. He don't even look up. You better walk around him because he's not going to change his motion or his steps. He's going to keep walking. That's how Bill was, but he put fear in a lot of people. If you was young and you really didn't know the system or you trying to understand what was going on, he made sure that he always kept you, again, on eggshells. And you didn't know if you had a job or not the next day because my first two years, man, I used to mess up and make mental errors here and there, and every day I'm like, I know I'm going to get a pink slip in my locker. But that's the type of coach Bill was, but also just the staff. Obviously, this Bill Belichick tree is starting to go legs, and you've kind of gotten the upper lifting. You had Saban, Belichick. A lot of people might not know this, but Brian Doble, the new Giants coach, was actually the wide receivers right, yeah. coach when you were in New England. Do you have any information on what the Giant fans can expect from Brian Doble? You know what? It's funny you say that. You say he was the receiver coach. Brian Dable was at LSU with me when I was at LSU. Oh, see? Look well, at this. Saban, I think, yeah. Because I don't remember Brian in the league, but Brian Dable, I mean, great guy. He didn't say much, but he showed up, had his tobacco on his lip and spitting everywhere, and he showed up in coach, man. So I know when I saw him got the Giants job, that was huge. Great for Coach Dable, man. I mean, he's been coaching freaking forever, man. So to finally get a head coaching job, he wasn't really trying to rush to become a head coach. Hopefully, he's sustained, he does well, and he has much success. We are talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. Now, Jarvis, you played against many good teams, and in the AFC East in those years where you were playing, you played some really bad teams. The Buffalo Bills weren't a good team. The Jets, I'm a Jet fan, they weren't a good team. The Miami Dolphins, they were on and off, on and off. They weren't a good team. But weren't they decent when they had Ricky Williams? Yes, they did. They had a couple of years where they stuck out, but nothing that really stood out where they were going to be a competitive. But we go down there and they always beat us, though. Yes, that's the thing about the Patriots. They've always had problems against Miami, especially going to Miami. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I just right. don't get it, man. Yeah. I don't know if it was South Beach, if it was the girls. I have no idea, but <laughs> well, we always had tough times, man. You were there. So was it? I, I was remember, it the girls? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I plead the fill. Don't tell Bill uh, that. I think it was just more like you say, it was like their hometown robbery or the next town over, and it always was so much going on. 
But I can remember, man, playing Ricky Williams. That dude was a bulldozer, running through there with his head down, didn't say nothing. We sitting there grabbing his dress. He walked back to the huddle with his freaking python arms. I remember one game, I think he had like maybe 42 carries, 180 yards. Mm-hmm. We won the game, but man, when I say we was beat up and sore, the AFC East has just always been that type of style of play, physical, but I think at the same time, nobody really feared each other because everybody showed up for game day. Well, it doesn't matter the record. The record didn't matter, right? Everybody feared the AFC. The only team that they feared was the Patriots. Nobody feared the Jets. Nobody feared Miami. And nobody feared Buffalo. You had to walk into New England. And New England always had home field advantage every single year because they played in the AFC East. You know this. And it was almost a guaranteed two wins against all three of those teams. Almost guaranteed. Yeah, always. Yeah. So why don't we get into the CTE thing. And you were in the league when all this stuff was going on with all these headhunters. We've seen so many guys go out there. We all know about the Saints. Tell us a little bit about what you thought when when this stuff was coming out with the doctors. They came out with this new disease, brain disease. Were you scared when you heard about this stuff? And and did you think the NFL did the right thing when it came out the way it did? I could tell you this, man. When, When I got closer to my retirement, I was never a guy that got headaches. I started getting headaches. I was very cloudy. I couldn't think right. I was all messed up when I retired, man. Because right when I got done, I was in Denver. My ex-wife, the kids, my wife was in school. The kids was in school. I bought my parents, my dad, and his wife. I couldn't do nothing, man. I started drinking heavily, and it just got crazy for me. And I always told my ex-wife, I say, something going on in my head. I don't know what it is, but I'm having nightmares, and I'm waking up cold sweats. And I started having more and more headaches. She said, oh, you're just fine. Nothing wrong with you. I said, yeah, but it ain't the drinking. I don't drink that much. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I can't think. And then people started talking to me, making irrational decisions. I kept saying this. She said, honey, you're fine. Nothing wrong with you. And then when I saw the thing with Will Smith, but see, the thing with Will Smith movie, this is what is crazy. So we have our union meetings, and it came a time when we were getting close to the lockout. And I remember when Mike Vrabel was our like union team president and we started having meetings and we had to kick the coaches out and the coaches like was getting upset because bill was like oh come on and then Vrabel like okay bill this is like business like you gotta give us our time y'all gotta leave and we used to be like oh everybody get out get out get out we gotta talk (laughs) and when Vrabel was talking you know what he was talking about we were talking about all the guys from pittsburgh so all the stuff you saw with the movie concussion we was hearing those stories way before the movie. And I'm like, I remember we talked about the guy that duct taped his legs. This is serious, man. And at the time, when the word came out, it was like, we can't even pronounce that. We are like, what is CTE? And it got so bad, man, to the point they was making it about the lockout, but it was more than that. It was the lockout, and we brought the CTE thing up because we was like, we need more benefits. Uh-huh. We need to be taken care of. We need more profit sharing. And it was a give and take. And it was so sad, but I'm going to say what's sad is that when we decided to make Goodell the goddamn over the CTE in the mm-hmm. lawsuit. And we should have just had a mediator to do it because they promised, I'm a level one guy, so I'm, I'm the first level. You don't want to be a level three, four, five because you're going to be either in a wheelchair with a diaper on mm-hmm. or drooling from the mouth. Mm-hmm. And I'm a level one guy, but they told us in the beginning that it doesn't matter. Whatever level you are, you're going to get your money. But then you saw that situation with the lawsuit that they had the discrimination between black and white athletes. I'm like, just give me my goddamn money. So it just, every time something goes on, it's controversy behind it, and it's a waste of goddamn time and money and lawyers. But is it real? Yes, it's real. Mm. You see cases, and I remember when Junior shot himself. Junior was the life of the freaking party. He had everything. He had his restaurant. I don't know how his restaurant was doing, but he could have went back to San Diego and he was a freaking god why would he 
shoot himself in the chest and leave a goddamn note. Why? But he's a pioneer. He's an animal. He's a warrior. And he probably was doing it just for the significance to help the guys after. But it's just sad on what's going on with all these guys and after life after football. And it's terrible, man. And the league is still making billions and billions and billions of dollars. They do over $10 billion a year. Not in 10 years, a year. Because we get the short of the stick. You speak about CT. I didn't even know that you had CT. Well, I'm a level one, so I don't really have any show of it. The tests are goddamn stupid that they do. I took the test. I didn't pass the test. Somebody talked about they give the test to monkeys. It's like they told us that whatever level you are, you're going to get the money because say right now I'm 43. Okay, you know what? Good story. I'm going to tell you this. I remember for a few years ago, I went to one Super Bowl. I'm not sure if it was San Francisco, 2015, whatever. I'm hanging out with Chris Dolman, drinking cocktails, mm-hmm. talking, normal conversation. Chris Dolman is standing up above me. We do rip moves. He showed me some of his moves. I'm dumb. I'm retired, but I played. Chris Dolman was my guy on Tech Mobile. And I remember Cisco Perkins, Kevin Falk, and another friend of mine, they all went to Randy Moss Hall of Fame induction. I saw this guy in a wheelchair on the pitcher. I said, who is that? And my boy said, that's Chris Dolman, your boy Chris. I said, he's in a wheelchair? He said, Jarvis, he's dead now. I'm like, what? He was like, Jarvis, he's drooling from the mouth, CTE. Really? That's a story that nobody talked about. How many other guys just like that in the same situation go from night and day? And I tell people, don't tell me we all normal. I'm, I'm one guy. It's many guys that feel the same way. It's unbelievable. It really is. And I, I think Roger Goodell and the NFL struck out on this. This guy's making 40-something million dollars a year. He's got free plane rides, his own jet. Him and his family get benefits for the rest of their lives. And these poor NFL players, they don't get enough, and they haven't gotten enough back from the NFL after this whole CTE thing came out. So why don't we get into this whole racism coaching thing that's going on right now in the NFL. And Brian Flores spoken out for all the African-American coaches. Hugh Jackson spoke out and pretty much threw the Cleveland Browns to the Wolves in 2016-2017. You know what? Hugh Jackson, he right now, he's on a high horse. Jackson State, we saw what Deion Sanders doing down there. He went to Grambling State. We see what Deion is doing, bringing money to the program directly, indirectly. I think we'll have more guys that are going to go to the college program is going to produce that, get guys in, make the money. Because at the end of the day, football equals money. Mm. No money, no football. Coach Brian, smart guy. I can remember when I was here and we used to have days and we used to be done and we'd be out playing flag football for Brewski Flag Football, thanks for his foundation. I remember Coach Brian, when he was there, he came a long way. He worked hard. I think right now he's going to pull Kaepernick. He's going to take the risk, and I guarantee you his counsel will say, you know what? This is what's going to happen. Either you're going to get blackballed, go get your money, or they're going to get rid of Ross. Somebody will pay, and somebody will suffer the consequences. Now, if he does it, he wins the money, he's going to be happy for the rest of his life and move on. But this is my thing, though. What if Ross go and drop it. Now, he said he gave him $100,000 for every game that they lose to get the first-round pick. But what if he can't find any information, he can't prove any court, but then he got Ross, but it happened. So why would Brian Flores make that up, mm. number one? Now, if it's a lie, somebody's going to have to fall from the throne. It's either going to be him, he lost his head coaching job, but he got other offers right from the Saints, and it's another team that I heard that he may have offers from. Mm-hmm. So he got to either take those offers. If you get an offer, they might give him a job to say, hey, you know what, 
we're going to pat you on the hand. This never happened. But what about the owner right. that did this? What right. about him? What are you going to pay? A fine for half a million dollars? Can't be there for the year? That's petty money. It's to him. That's a drop in the bucket. Jarvis, I do believe, not just in the NFL, in all professional sports, there are racism. And you look at the coaching, not only in regular professional sports, but even in college sports. Go look at how many black African-American coaches are in college. There are not many of them. And the way the league is transitioned into the way it is. And even quarterbacks. How many African-American quarterbacks that are black? I mean, like, seriously, that are starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I see Rohan and talk to Rohan Davey all the time. And it's pissing me off so much because I look at all the quarterbacks. I see all the guys, the white guys that played 10, 12, 13 years being a backup. And then Rohan, he had a weight issue, but he was in the league for three years, and then he got out of the league. You're telling me Rohan, with his arm, his strength, he put up numbers at LSU. He just didn't come off the bench. He didn't just play uh, through 20 completions in college and got paid in the NFL. But he was a guy that should have been in the league for 10, 12 years in the league. So for me, I'm going to say this. It was crazy when I saw Seattle. Russell Wilson, yeah. When I saw he got hurt and I saw the guy that came in and backed him up, I had no idea he was still in the league. The guy from West Virginia. Gino. I had no idea Gino was still in the NFL. I don't think Gino knows that, in the NFL. I was like happy just to see that he was one of the black quarterbacks being a backup that still had a career because people got to understand after five, six, seven years, those backups are making over a million dollars. Being a backup quarterback, that's great money in the real world, man. Mm-hmm. So it's still racism. Some things got to change. Not some things. Everything has to change. And it's so sad because it's Black History Month right now. Yeah. I think all the black coaches need a raise. Nobody get fired if you're black. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Let me drink my cocktail, man. <laughs> Enjoy. You mentioned you're from Louisiana and that you have your restaurant in Baton yeah, Rouge. Yeah, uh, it's not a restaurant. It's just a seafood distribution. Oh, okay. The culture in Louisiana, definitely one of the most unique ones for football. And, and you playing for LSU. Now we're seeing Joe Burrow go to the Super yep. Bowl. They kind of embrace it as their second team so what's the culture like in that area all american joe baby (laughs) um it's different man i mean it's a jungle every city got its got its ups and downs new orleans is not an easy place to grow up in i mean we've been through so much with the hurricanes and mother nature destroys that place that place gets hits all the time and i think the thing about louisiana is we could talk about all the other 49 states, but when it comes to adversity, overcoming things, going through the major storms, it's so much, man. Where I grew up at, man, I mean, poverty, almost 39% is wow. poverty, and it's bad. And my little town where I, where I grew up, they call my little town Little Haiti, man. Oh, I mean, man. a few years ago, we had seven kids under 17 that got shot and died wow. because of heroin Damn. and crack cocaine. And it wasn't as bad when I grew up, but I think just the mentality of Louisiana, fighting through things. And you seen the Rocky movie, man. When the girls say, you can't win, Rock. That's like Louisiana, man. You can't win. You can't overcome. But somehow we have us as human beings. We learn how to adapt. We learn how to survive. And we learn how we're going to find ways to eat. We're going to find ways to overcome. And I think Louisiana, it goes a long way. When we look at Joe Burrow, the year before Joe Burrow would be a six or seven round free agent. He come out, and I have no idea how he pulled this out of his ass. That year at LSU when they went undefeated, I think to this day, it's like Star Wars. You have no idea. You got to go find a little green guy and sit in the goddamn swamp and ask why you got the power. Oh, Yoda. I love Yoda. (laughs) Yoda had to tell your boy Luke on who he was, but he didn't tell him who he was. 
We all remember Star Wars. He had to understand that he was the one. He was the Jedi. Joey Burrow is the Jedi. Bro, I'm just, look. I love it. I love it. Cocktail. It's all right. I had a strawberry henny about an hour and a half ago. Trust me. I understand. I need a cocktail to do this stuff too I but you had a little smoothie what? strawberry <laughs> strawberry, strawberry pineapple smoothie it's uh no no it's not nearly that girly we're not gonna do this no no jarvis no no <laughs> two shots of henny mixed with strawberry lemonade no slush what's that called strawberry henny beautiful Oh, what town are you from? What city are you from? We don't, Long Island, from? We don't New York. Down Louisiana. Go to oh, Friday. New York. Y'all weird up there, man. Oh. Y'all weird in New York. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, you weren't too far away. Boston's yeah, got some pretty weird, too. I, I know. I'm right down the street. Hey, Ma. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, Ma, let's go to the park. Oh. <laughs> Jarvis, so obviously when you're in the league, the CTE thing's obviously in the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Is that kind of where the inspiration for Chef to You or Ocean Drive 97 started? Or did you know in your college days that I knew that you had to plan? I always had a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I did my internships when I played NFL, Rolls Royce, Naval Marine, and I worked for another restaurant company. But I've always been in hospitality, always enjoy serving people. I would enjoy watching people smile after eat my food. And I always treated people and put on different events, even when I was in high school with my twin brother, Jason. High school, even college. We did our cake parties and charged at the door. Yeah, so with LSU, hospitality was always number one for me. I always wanted to take care of people, entertain people, watch people smile. I went to school for construction management, but I never thought in my life that I'd be selling seafood, selling shrimp. That came from owning somebody that favor. But then also the Chef to You platform, it's like a Grubhub Uber Eats, but the biggest thing is that I'm in this and I'm doing this. And yeah, I want to make money, but at the same time, I want to make sure that the hospitality industry get their feedback, get their legs, and people could generate money and they could survive and not get raped from all the food app companies out there that that promising them so many different things and opportunities and all they do is giving money back to these big old tech companies out of Silicon Valley. But Chef to You is going to be something different. We're going to make sure and touch the people, going to relate to them. We understand them. And, and I always tell some of the chefs too about, you don't know how it is in the hospitality industry. I say, yes, I do. I owned a liquor store for five years and I owned a restaurant for four years. And I made money and I lost a ton of money. Mm. And I understand what it is to give to someone to help people and feed people. I totally do. So I want this to really blow up. I want this to be beneficial, not just for me, but for all those chefs, food trucks, restaurants, culinary, pastry chefs. If you make food or you produce food and cook food, we want to help you share with more customers out there in the market. We are talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. Jarvis, last question for us. I know you're busy. You're over there in Boston, probably going to celebrate Boston. Maybe this week you're going to be celebrating with Tom Brady and his retirement. Who knows? Oh, the avocado tequila. (laughs) Ice cream. Avocado ice cream. Oh, avocado. I'm not an avocado (laughs) fan. I just started liking avocado. I never liked it, and I went out to Riverhead out here on Long Island, right by the wine I, I went to Riverhead this summer. Really? On the outside of Hampton. So I went to Victorville. I DJ'd out there. It's beautiful wineries it's like there. It's like the New Jersey yes. uh, Playboy Mansion, New Jersey That's Playboy right. Mansion. That's right. <laughs> New York. I love yeah, this yeah. guy. Jarvis, my last question for you. What is it like to be part of the Patriots and take us behind the scenes of the rivalry with the Jets? To be part of the Patriots is an honor, opportunity. It was amazing eight years for me. 
And I have to say, I was blessed to play around the guys like Tyler Lloyd Malloy, Tom Brady, Kevin Falk, Teddy Bruschi, Corey Dillon, Randy Moss, Matt Light, but you see more of his Will Fork. I could go on and on and on playing for Belichick, the fans, the crowds, just amazing and everything in itself. The Jets, yeah. I'm going to say this, man. It wasn't even us. Now, if this film leaks, it gets ah, to somebody. It, it wasn't us, man. It was more like Belichick. <laughs> he hated the Jets. Mm. I think from that one-day contract mm-hmm. with Lou Parcells, Belichick, he's signing. I think New England came up and said the job is available. And I think he didn't really want to come to the Jets, man. But every time we played the Jets, it was more about him, like, let's get these guys back. He had a tight ass that week every time we played the Jets. It was just, yeah, man. So we made sure to do everything right. He's going to make us run twice as much. He's going to fuss at us twice as much. So it was more about him. Jarvis, we really appreciate you giving us the time. We'd love to get you back on. Your personality hey, hey, is awesome. Hey, that's what she said. <laughs> well, I don't know what she said, but I'm sure Tyler does because he's just as drunk yeah. as you are. <laughs> <laughs> Live mouth. <laughs> I love this guy. Listen, man. Where's the shot glasses at? Strawberry Henny. There you Only go. What are you drinking? Like a Boston Only... Tea Party? What are you drinking? Up Only Jersey City. Strawberry Henny. <laughs> I'm going to go hang myself. Is that okay? Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Oh, boy. I really appreciate you giving us the time. We'd love to get you back on again. Your personality is fire, man. We really love that about Thank you. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Oceans97. Social media is so crazy. So Instagram, the real Jarvis Green. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Jarvis Green. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn. Chef to you. Do you on TikTok hey, too? Oh my God. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's so like bougie. That's what the cocktail's for. <laughs> Strawberry Henny. <laughs> Look at me, baby. I'm so skinny. <laughs> this guy needs to come down. We need, awesome. to, we need to have a drink, John. It's awesome. Tyler's going to go up to Boston right now. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I can leave these two doofuses <laughs> right now. It's fun. Hey, listen, Jarvis. <laughs> Uh, my birthday bash, yeah. I'm going to be 40 this year. Uh, I have a bunch of NFL players might be coming down. Maybe I'll invite you. You come down and have a little bit of a tea party with us. Let me know, baby. i bring some of that tea. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Jarvis, thank you, bud. Before you invite anyone, Y'all you be invite good, Jarvis Green. Absolutely. you will be good. Absolutely. Later, man. Jarvis, the drinking man. Green, ladies and gentlemen. Unbelievable interview. Personality-wise, talked about CTE, talked about Tom Brady, talked about even his divorce. So thank you, Jarvis, for giving us the whole scoop since you retired from the NFL. Fantastic interview. Oh, I love the personality of this guy. Great stories. Absolutely. When we come back, we will be getting into some betting. Moneyline Mania, Chaz and the crew, here on The Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy, I need a PD. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, 
or on Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Jarvis Green was fabulous and hilarious. A little drunk. That's Jarvis for you. Just likes to have his fun, but we were very happy to have him on, and thank you, Jarvis, for joining us. I know last week everybody was looking to get these guys on. They were on vacation or probably in mourning for their Kansas City Chiefs, not moving forward to the Super Bowl, but we have them on. We call this segment Moneyline Mania. This is Moneyline Mania with Chaz and the crew. Chazzy Moto and his boy Wes. What's going on, guys? Cash and tickets, baby. Cash and tickets, as always. You guys are the best of the best. We're going to be doing something on our website where you can actually check out some of their prop bets and their parlays. And we're going to give you guys an opportunity every single week, every single month, every single year to make money off their picks, which they're the best of the best. So, Chaz, are you ready? Well, you know, it's funny because if you're not following us on Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Thursday nights, 8 o'clock New York time, then you're, you're probably really ahead of the curve here, Wes, wouldn't you think? I would think so. You say it best. You watch the show. You do what you're told. You get paid. I'm not a prop better, and I don't bet on my picks. Everybody comes to me and they say, hey, Errol, what do you have? I was at physical therapy, and I was talking to my physical therapist. And he pulls out his phone, DraftKings. He's like, does Matthew Stafford have 300 yards? Does Odell Beckham score a touchdown? Does Jamar Chase? And I'm looking around. I'm like, I'll give you some of my thoughts, but if you don't win, don't blame it on me. That's why I don't bet on it. I'm curious. Wes, those three right there. I try and stay away from the yardage because that's unpredictable. I like the anytime touchdowns because Fred is around 48 49. So, so that's about six or seven touchdowns. So you got to think it's rare for somebody to score more than two. So I look for the value within those. So I, I won't touch anything that's less than minus 175. For Cooper Cup to score a touchdown, it's minus 190. Not necessarily any value there. I do think Beckham will score a touchdown. I don't think Stafford needs to put up that type of yardage in order for the Rams to find success. I would go under on that Stafford play. And I don't know that you said 330, 340, something like that. I don't think he needs to breach three in order for them to find success. Do you think Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford could have over 300 yards in this game? I think these defenses are too good. A lot's to be said about the Rams and their personnel and the moves they made in the Von Miller acquisition, but there's not enough talk about how good that Bengals defense actually is and the turnovers they've forced and the big moments. So, yeah, it's possible, but a lot will have to break down. It's not a slam dunk that Mm -hmm. that that happens. You know what my favorite part of the Super Bowl is? When you got a guy that's 67 yards, this is total. There's no time left. They're like on their own 20 and they're running off the clock and he takes it and everybody's they're back in the prevent and he gets like 40 yards before halftime. It doesn't matter. He's not going to score. You were never threatened, but you got 40 of your yards in one play in garbage time for the first half. I like when that happens. Garbage time betting and garbage time fantasy football. Something that can win and lose individual matchups. How about you guys? Do you guys think Mixon could score a touchdown this game? You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. When I was in Vegas, I remember a very much of of Saturday, a little bit of Sunday, not of Sunday night, but a little bit of Sunday. And I had Mixon and I had Kelsey and then I had Samuel and I had Cup score the first touchdown. Cup was 11-2. to And I hit him, and I made him my big play because he was the lowest odds of all four of those. But if I like Mixon then, I could bet Mixon again. Do you think any of the tight ends have touchdowns in this game? Higby's not playing. That was what we had talked about on Thursday night is if you believe that a tight end scores a touchdown, and I believe this is the best value on the board. Higby's been ruled out. He's not playing. Yes. So then you go to the two tight ends that are starting. you got Blanton and Ozama. They're plus 
225 and plus 275. All you need is a tight end to score a touchdown, and you've paid for both, plus get a little bit of juice after that. So if you're looking at roughly a 20% profit, now if they both score, that's even better. But even further than that, with Higby out, I still think that they're going to need the tight end. The Rams are still going to need some play out of the tight end, but there's no guarantee that it's going to Blanton. So if you were to look at Hopkins, he's plus 900. There's real value on investing in the tight ends here to score a touchdown at any point. How about you, Chas? I've been, been the first player to score Super Bowls for a long, long time because we are right now, right smack in the middle of the championshipfootballs.com 72-hour Super Bowl 56 pre-sale extravaganza. <laughs> Both your Cincinnati or your Rams footballs at an incredible like half price almost. But that's who I root for, whoever I sell the more pre-sales, because I got to give the other people their money back. So when you have the first player to score over the years that I've had, I've had some great stories. But it's so wild because if they're on the 30, it ain't going to be a tight end. But if they're on the 7 or 8, it could be almost anybody. And it really is. It's the only time I think ever in sports betting that I'll get up in pace because it's usually five to one and I usually have a lot of money on it. There was a prop bet on DraftKings. Joe Mixon is the first player on the Bengals to make a catch. Do you think Joe Mixon is the first person to catch the ball for the Bengals? If I'm a coach and I got a quarterback, how many times did he get sacked, Pete? Nine times. Just against Tennessee. I'm thinking, yeah, I want to ease him into the game. I'm not going to have him throw a slant. Jamar Chase 45 yards down the field, though they probably could. Those two in their sleep probably have a higher completion rate than most tandems. But no, that totally makes sense. And I did see the prop on would his first pass be a completion. Well, you know what? If you're throwing a little out of your running back, a little thing out of the backfield, that's a 98% completion rate. If you think that's possible, that's how they're going to start the game. That's a great prop there, right, Wes? I don't hate it. Burrow does not have the best offensive line. And early in the game, they're going to want to get a couple easy completions, establish a rhythm, get the Rams sweating a little bit. So I could see that happening. But it just depends on what is your goal in tomorrow. Tomorrow's game. Is your goal to have some fun and have a lottery ticket? Or are you trying to win a few percent and build your bankroll? And whatever the answer to that is, you know, that's your risk appetite. As you guys know, we're a Moneyline Mania with uh, Chaz and the crew. But what do we talk about here all, all the time is if you're just betting the game and that's it, you're not really a sports better. You're gambling is mm. what you're doing. When the guys from 151 Sports Investing and GMF Sports Consultants, that's not what we do. We look at what we think is going to happen And then sooner or later, right away, you're right. So if you're looking at your props, like Wes said, if you're just there to have fun, who cares? Bet heads, bet Gatorade purple, whatever you want to do, it's your money, man. But if you're there to make some money on this game, you have to say to yourself, what do I think is going to happen? You have to bet that accordingly. If you like the Rams and over, or if you like Cincinnati and under, your props should reflect that. But you got to be ready to be wrong. That is where I would say, Wes, would you agree that's where we are heads and shoulders above anybody else when it comes to sports betting is when we were wrong. It is, but we're also not afraid to jump to the other side. We've switched directions so many times just to right a wrong, or even bigger than that is when we get that first cash of the game, how we tiptoe into that next piece of action in the game and keeping ourselves in the green. Errol, remember that time I joined you when I was in Houston for that show? Yes. We mm-hmm. got Jamar Chase's autograph. How cool was that investment? That'll be great for championship footballs. And I remember it only because Wes, what happened? 
happened is we got back to the room. You know, if you've ever been at a trade show, your feet are killing and you're standing up for 12, 14 hours. And I had a college game. I was in your time zone. I wasn't used to being that early. The games are still going, you know, out here, the games are all over. And so I had a game where I took plus 12 with one team and minus 10 with the other, whatever the middle was. My son goes, what are you doing? I said, I just think this is a good play. And it landed at six. I hit both bets. So I had the team that lost and the team that won. I catch both tickets. And that's what we do. I got a curveball for you. Henderson will be back in this game. Does Henderson have more yards than Akers and Michelle? And I believe he will because that's a curveball. You haven't seen him on the field. I think they could use him a lot in this game because I think he's a beast up the middle. I think if that happens, you're going to know right away. When a guy hasn't played and he comes in, first of all, if he fumbles, that's it. He ain't coming back in the game. Right. And that's the worst thing, right? If you got to run it back and he fumbles early because they just don't give him the ball again. I agree with you. Henderson is a dual threat. I think he's better than both running backs that the Rams have. I think he's better than Michelle. He's better than Akers. So we'll know early. But the unfortunate thing is these prop bets go away when the game starts. There's very few live over-unders on players. Henderson is not an option for an anytime touchdown score. I would imagine if and when it hits the board, we're going to be looking at plus 300-ish just because it'll be assumed that he's going to be the number three. But I really like that Henderson call-out. How about McPherson? Does McPherson miss his first field goal throughout the playoffs. He didn't miss one. Indoors, L.A. weather, no humidity. Mm. It depends on the distance. Is that a prop? Because if that's a prop, the odds got to be whack. Probably have to take a block at this rate. <laughs> if it is a prop, i definitely bet on it. Yeah, are you still <laughs> looking at those anytime touchdowns? Because Speedy had asked about the tackle-eligible guy. Is yes. Those- yeah, I'm staring at the anytime touchdowns. That's really my main approach. I'm looking for the anytime touchdowns. I'm looking to go two out of six that pays me as if I went four out of six. That's the approach. If I can make 20% out of it, you know, that would be a great year, a great decade in your 401k if you went 20, 30%. So mainly anytime touchdowns. Oh, you know me. If I, at the end of the day, my book says I got a dollar more in my pocket. Heck, in Vegas, I don't even need to win. I do the formula of how much would I have spent on those drink tickets, how much did I win or lose, and as long as I'm even, guys, we had to have, we were at the Strat, they treated us so well. We had to have at one point a hundred drink tickets because there was six of us at one point and we were the only ones really talking and, and tipping and stuff so they're giving you four or five drinks every time you're making a bet and i was betting the pegasus stakes Wes, i was betting every single race every 30 minutes i'm back at the window so even if you lose a hundred bucks but you got a hundred drinks where are you gonna get a drink for a dollar if it ain't a strip club you know <laughs> here's a question does the rams have the lead going into the second half there's a play that I was looking at earlier, and I was looking at, not the first half, but I was looking at the Q1 shutout win. So if you were to take the Rams for a shutout win, think about that. That's 7 to nothing. That's 3 to nothing. That's not a crazy blowout. The Rams to have a shutout win in the first quarter is plus 190. If you like the Bengals to just be ahead 3 to nothing or have any form of a lead, it's plus 425. So I think the Rams probably will have the lead at half, but just a spinoff on what you brought up, that you won, shut out, win, just a field goal and nothing else by somebody. When you bet that first quarter, guys, and, and again, think about it. You got 10 sports bettors in a room, Errol. How many are betting the first quarter? With the way it's going now, everybody. I know that's not true, but more than half of them do not. I guarantee more than half of them do not. 
And the reason is, it's because it's just too intense. Mm. The first quarter is too intense because now it goes all the way back to, do they defer, right? Right. If you get Cincinnati anytime and the Rams win the toss and they defer because they want to put their defense out there and Cincinnati gets a field goal, that's what? Plus 400, you said? Think about Cincinnati that. having a shutout win is plus 420. What's the number Four. if this game goes to overtime? That is a good question. And what's interesting there is Cincinnati has gone to overtime four times this season, including one in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And out of 17 games, so what's it? That's right around 30% of their games end up in overtime. I like that play, too, and I'll look for what the payoff is on there. And they won, I think, four others on game-winning field goals. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaning to make one of my bets a plus 230 bet, and that's the Rams minus 12 and a half. So I'm probably not betting it's going overtime. You know what's so interesting with these bets now? People are trying to look for that parlay in the game, and, and there's so many ways to do it. If you were to look right now at DraftKings or you look at your book right now, give us a parlay that you would think would work for the fans. You're talking about any time touchdown parlays? Any parlay. Like, let's say Mixing has a touchdown. Burroughs throws over 300 yards. McPherson has two field goal kicks. When I'm looking at a parlay, and it's funny because Mo from the Mo Radio Show, who we would love to have on, but he's really, really busy. Tough to, to get him time in front of a camera. He's picked up, because I used to be on his show, and I would do those first touchdowns of the Super Bowl. So he, when he got legal where he is, he started doing them, and those parlays are pretty, pretty profitable. But when I bet parlays, I'm used to doing what I do in soccer, where I don't think it's a possibility that this can lose, but I'm looking to double my money. I need three things to happen, but I double my money. Normally, three things happen. You get six to one, but it's a hard way to make six to one. When three things like mine, you know, you get a two minus two twenties. You mentioned cup is a minus one ninety. Like if I like cup and I like chase, right, right mm-hmm. there. If I put that parlay together, all of a sudden I'm getting probably even money, a little less than even money. I add one more, maybe a mix in. I don't think it would be a mix in though, because he hasn't scored. If I was going to add a third guy to that, I would go with Beckham. I would go Beckham. I know you said you didn't think he was going to score, Mm-mm. but I would go Beckham because Beckham's a big time player. Big-time players do big-time things in big-time games. He's definitely a a unique bird. But remember, he was on the Giants, and he did things on the Giants. The Giants stink, Wes, right? The Giants are not a very good football organization. I I wish they were because there's a lot of fans in New York that contribute. Yeah, I know. When the Giants are good, they're just not. The same thing with the Jets. But I agree with you with the Cooper Cup. I think you throw Cooper Cup into that parlay. And then for some odds, I like Tyler Boyd. There's a lot of value on this man scoring a touchdown. He didn't show up in Arrowhead last week because he didn't need to. But I think it was the Tennessee game where Burrow found him in weird scrambling Spots. recess in the playground type of scenarios. So Tyler Boyd is plus 225. So you throw that in there with the Cooper Cup. And then I think you probably throw a field goal prop in there. But I like Joe Burrow for over. It's 11 or 12 rush yards, depending on where you go. If the Bengals are going to win, Joe Burrow will have to do something with his legs. So I am not a parlay person, but what I will say is if you wanted to put the parlay together, I would take the Boyd touchdown, I would take the Cup touchdown, and then take the Burrow over the 11 or 12, whatever it is. I think Burrow's going to rush for about 15 or 20. But you take that, you put them together, and bet them individually. Bet your standard unit, your your $1 on each one of them, and then go maybe bet $0.10. Mm. on the parlay because the worst thing with the parlay is that you've created a loss instead of a big win three and one is a great day that's a great day anywhere but on a four-teamer loser (laughs) hey you know what boy listen to this he scored week 15 he scored week 16 he scored week 17 he scored in the wild card game 
I like that call, Wes. Well, I will say this. You go into the Super Bowl and you're looking at everything. Everybody keeps talking about Odell Beckham being big in the big game. If I was right now looking at this game, if I were the Bengals, I let Cooper Cup beat me and not let anybody else beat me. Because if you can contain Odell Beckham, contain Jefferson and their running game, even if Cup has 150 yards and two touchdowns, you're winning the game. I like so. Jefferson, though, in this game because of the physicality. And I'm also with Wes. I actually think Robert Blanton's sneaky good. For me, the most exciting part is that, like, every other week, right, Wes, we're up early, you know? Especially out here, guys. I'm up early. The games start. College games, of course, start at 9. The pro games start at 10. You got all day to eat, to drink. Wes is an executive chef. I'm just a good cook. I got fillets. I got two types of shrimp. Not one, two types of shrimp. I'm going to have some kind of dip. We're just going to have a great time. But by the time the game comes, you've had a whole day. It's like 6 o'clock your time, right? 3 o'clock my time. Over under six different types of dishes in Wes's Super Bowl party. There you go, baby. (laughs) I'm in KC, so our meat prices are still favorable. And so I usually got the smoker going, and that's usually how we do stuff. I was at the pool yesterday for just a little bit with the Santa Ana's. You got to be careful because the winds are really, really high and they're blowing things, you know, so it's like raining. The trees are like raining, literally. Mm. And if you have issues with allergies, it's not good. But it was 82 degrees. 82. 82. Anyways, before we let you guys go, where do you see this game going? First you, Chaz. How do you think this game will end? I think Cincinnati's going to score some points, but I have been wrong on Cincinnati, what, three weeks in a row now, Wes? (laughs) So. Don't don't listen to the word I say, but I'm betting two bets, betting 10.5 and and 12.5. So I'm taking the Rams, minus 10.5 plus 180, and minus 12.5 plus 230. So that's I got the biggest lead over 14.5, and and I got the longest TD over 42.5. So that's kind of where I'm going. However, on our 72-hour pre-sale extravaganza at championshipfootballs.com, we've sold more Cincinnati balls. And so the way it works with me is at kickoff time, whoever I have the most pre-sold balls for is who I'm rooting for. (laughs) Where I stand on this one, I look at the Bengals and of their losses this season, there's only been three of them where they've lost by more than three. Two of those losses by more than three came against the Browns who were coming off a loss. And one of those Browns games was Burrow not starting because they had already clinched the playoffs. So the, the Bengals don't lose by more than three. The spread in this game is four. I don't believe in Sunday night or Monday night football. I believe it's the easiest bet of the week to lose. During the season, I walk away from those games. I, I put two bucks on a DraftKings, and that's that's what I do. I get enough on Saturday and Sunday. So I look at the Super Bowl as that. I would lean towards taking points in any Sunday or Monday night football game, given the way that the Bengals operate in losses. I would say the value is taking plus four in the Bengals. If you were to watch this game and you have the ability to bet live, I would tell you, take the points on the guy that gets scored on first. So Rams score first, they go up 7 nothing. Well, now you're going to get plus 7.5, plus 8 on the Bengals. Same thing on the other side. But have no choice. Life and death, I'm taking points in, in any Sunday night or Monday night primetime game. And so plus 4 Bengals is where I would go. Speedy, who do you have? What do you have? I like a lot of field goals in this game. I think you're going to see these teams both have trouble in the red zone. The the Rams proved a lot stopping the run against the 49ers, and I think that'll help against somebody like Mixon, who's more of a power back with that interior rush, and the Rams rushing attack. Henderson's just coming back. Cam Akers has been up and down, and then Sony Michelle, kind of the same thing, up and down. So I definitely think they'll stall and settle for field goals a lot. So I like the field goal bet a lot that you mentioned earlier, Wes. I like Cooper Cup in this game. I think he has... 
over 100 yards. I think he'll have a touchdown in this game. I think they're going to give him an opportunity to score. I think if you're going to bet on somebody, I wouldn't bet on Odell Beckham. I know everybody says he's a big game player. Uh, what big game has he ever been in? He's played for the Giants. He played for the Browns. Yeah, and he, he punched a hole in the wall. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't bet that Odell Beckham is just going to explode off the field and have a touchdown or two in this game and it's going to score off 100 yards. I think what the Bengals are going to do, they're going to try to contain Odell Beckham, contain Jefferson, and let Cooper Cup do whatever he wants in the game because if they do that, I think they win the game. I expect Aaron Donald to have at least two sacks in this game and Von Miller to cause havoc on the outside. I think these two guys are going to be a very important piece to if the Rams win. And Matthew Stafford, as much as everybody says legacy this and legacy that, if Matthew Stafford wins or loses, I don't think it changes his legacy. I still think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I just feel like the pressure is on the Rams because of all the, the draft stock that they gave up. They have no future. Without this championship, it's a complete bust. And, and by the way, Sean McVay might be looking for another job after next year if they don't win a Super Bowl this year. Well, it's, you know, it's hard to imagine that with what he's done with that team. But I'll tell you, the best advice I can give to somebody right now, if you are going to bet the game tomorrow, Go back and re-listen to this entire segment. Because the first time you're listening to it, you're thinking. And you're listening, and you're maybe you're, you're agreeing or you're arguing, but you're not sucking it in. And what I would tell people, listen to what these guys said. These three guys all really know their sports. And the same thing with the fantasy guys. When you talk sports all the time, you know more sports than most people. Even some guys that are betting big money. So go back, listen to this segment again, and pick out a few of those nuggets. I guarantee... There's winners. As everybody knows, Moneyline Mania with Chaz and the crew. Wes, who's one of the best handicappers out there. And then Chaz, who likes to make his prop bets. He is the guy. He's the betting man. He's the voice and the face of the sports betting weekly show. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. Always be cashing. Always be cashing. Wes and Chaz, two of the more intelligent people in the business when it comes to handicapping and betting. And when you look at the big picture and, and where betting is going and where handicapping is going, it's amazing when you have these guys that have been doing it for such a long time and understand how to bet and what to bet on. If you're a betting man, and there are a ton of them out here in Long Island and throughout the country, you have to listen to this segment. You have to listen to their show every single week on Belly Up Sports and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, they're fantastic, and they know what they're talking about. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into the NBA trade deadline. James Harden gets his wish. He goes to the 76ers. Does this make the 76ers better? And by the way, does this make the Nets better? Adding Ben Simmons, who hasn't played since last year, with Seth Curry, the picks that they got, who could probably are 28 and 29 in the draft in the next two years. Does this make the Nets better? Or does this really make Sean Marks look like an idiot? When we come back, we'll get into that here on the Weekend Crunch. Ooh, I like this. Hold on. Hold on. I do not have any tune. I'm, I I might be uh, hearing impaired. I don't know. But as you guys know, we are the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Holly on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine of the World, Wide Sports Radio Network. Oh, I like that. A little 
flow over there, a little WWE, a little Vince McMahon. I'm not a wrestling fan, by the way. Remember, you can download our app by going iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Super Bowl Sunday is tomorrow, and why not be happy? And we have, after the show, we have the New York Islanders. So uh, the Islanders playing at 10 o'clock against Calgary tonight, so stay tuned after the show for Calgary and the Islanders. By the way, the Islanders choked last night against the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid and that talented bunch of guys. So Edmonton, I think, is one of the favorites to coming out of the West. Fantastic team. And, and he showed it against the Islanders that just didn't show up yesterday. But that's just a whole other story. I, I wanted to get into the NBA and, and really the NBA trade deadline, which... You know, it's so interesting because James Harden has been bitching and crying where he is supposed to be and what he should be playing for. Let's be honest. He hasn't been playing for anything because he hasn't won anything. This guy has been one of the worst playoff players we've seen as well as Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons, who hasn't been on a court for almost 80 or 90 games since last year, since really the midseason fighting injury and disputes with coaching and, and the players on the team, Ben Simmons has been sitting out ever since then. He's been asking for a trade. And now he gets his wish, just as much as James Harden, who Sean Marks, 48 hours before the trade deadline, said there's no way in hell he's trading James Harden. And we've heard this before many, many times, not just in basketball, but in all sports. When a GM says that, usually means... How much are you going to give me for him or I'm not trading him? And Sean Marks, who everybody says is a great GM, he comes from the San Antonio Spurs, such a smart guy, has made just as bad a move trading for James Harden from the Rockets as Billy King did when he traded for Kevin Garnett, Pierce, and the Jet. And to me, when you look at the big picture and you look at this trade, you did add a young player like James Harden. You did add a superstar, still a superstar player. But what has he done for this net team? What has the big three done since James Harden has come there? Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant have played an equal of 16 games together, counting the playoffs in the last two years. Kyrie Irving's injuries and his woes are off the court. James Harden, his injuries and his woes off the court. And then Kevin Durant with his Twittering and his burner accounts. Seven burner accounts. I know everybody thought this was crazy. Him and LeBron are picking the All-Stars, and he picked Rudy Gobert over James Harden. I don't think that has anything to do with why... James Harden is now playing for the 76ers. I think it's ridiculous. It could be Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving doesn't get along with a lot of people. We've heard stories. And Kyrie Irving really was the guy. He was the first guy in there before Kevin Durant showed up and before James Harden showed up to the organization. But right now, if you look at this trade, do the Nets look like they won on this trade? They lost on the James Harden trade from the Rockets giving up Karis LeVert. Jared Allen is turning. And by the way, both players, Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, are playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers because Karis LeVert was traded from Indiana to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Cleveland, man, they're building something over there. With Mobley there, this is a good team. And this is a dangerous team in Eastern Conference. They remind me of the Atlanta Hawks from last year. Just more mm-hmm. talented and more, I think, more depth than the Atlanta Hawks are. So. I love to see Karis LeVert hit a buzzer beater to knock the Nets out of the playoffs. That would be funny. The <laughs> question is, are the Nets going to make the playoffs? They're the ninth seed right now. They've lost 10 games in a row. And right now, adding Ben Simmons, who hasn't stepped on a quarter, is not a good shooter. It's going to take him a while to get his feet under him. And is he going to play this year? That's the question. Nobody's 
heard from him yet. The only person that's heard from him is Kevin Durant. And I'm sure Kevin Durant is happy-go-lucky, not because he expects this team to be a championship team this year. And remember, he can opt out of his contract at the end of the season. Maybe Ben Simmons is secretly with Rick Barry and learning how to shoot underhand free throws. Yeah, and I I know Kyrie Irving is probably happy because he doesn't have to deal with James Harden's crap or looking over his shoulder. Speedy, before I mention why I think the 76ers won on this trade, what were your thoughts to the trade? Who do you think won? And what were your thoughts when you heard that James Harden with the last hour of the trade deadline was traded to the 76ers? I think the Sixers slightly won the trade for one reason specifically is that they didn't have to trade any of their young players. I thought the Nets were definitely going to want to look for one of the young players on this team, whether it was a Matisse Thibel or a Tyrese Maxey or something like that, where I think the Nets, when they know they don't have draft picks, aren't going to really have a lot of young talent to look forward to. They already traded away Landry Shemat to the Suns as well this offseason. They traded away Lavert and Allen, like you were saying, and a lot of the young players that they have are very raw. So I think as a whole, I thought the Sixers might have to package one of those guys in the deal, and they didn't have to do that. Andre Drummond and Seth Curry are both veteran players. Now, Seth Curry has had a nice year off the bench for the Sixers. Kind of has been their sixth man type, but sometimes it started as well. Andre Drummond trading him away. He hasn't been as good in recent years. Now, the only thing that worries me from the Sixers end is if Embiid gets hurt. Drummond was a nice insurance policy to at least have, to at least have a a serviceable starting center. But they don't really have that anymore. But I don't think they're as worried about that because Embiid's been pretty durable this year. And their depth as a whole has been better this year. Now, is it going to put either one of these teams over the top in terms of winning a championship is something I'm still concerned with. You criticize Doc Rivers in his playoff identity all the time for mm-hmm. the Sixers. So will he be able to work with that? And James Harden, too. And they had one of the worst playoff players yes, in history. Yes, James Harden, so. too. Very inefficient in the playoffs. Now, it does make him more potent in terms of a volume score. Ben Simmons was afraid to shoot and didn't really make the greatest passes either. And then his free throws obviously are terrible. James Harden's just inefficient. So the other thing, though, too, is the Sixers are a much better offensive rebounding team than the Nets. So even if James Harden does miss some shots, maybe they end up getting bailed out by Embiid or those other big men that they have. So we'll see on that. But still, it's not a great playoff player. So I still wouldn't put him as the favorites in the East, but I definitely put put him higher than they were not having Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons, when he was in the playoffs, not only did he hinder his individual game and hindering the team, he hindered a playoff identity. And when he was getting fouled left in the game, the whole team offense was going down too. And the flow was just stopped as a whole of of a team offense. And that's the thing that worries me with the, the Nets in this playoff identity. And the thing that worried me most about Ben Simmons being traded to a playoff contender, it hinders the team offense when your teams are going hack a Ben Simmons against you like the Hawks did. And for a team that's reliant on offense like the Nets, that could be a problem. So Steve Nash is going to have to manage that where maybe putting in Ben Simmons early in quarters where the hacks are only going to be uh, fouls for inbound plays, not for free throws. So that's one of those things that Steve Nash will have to step up as a coach and be able to manage. Maybe you bring Ben Simmons as a big man point guard and move a guy like Kyrie Irving to the two where he can shoot Mm. more and be more of an offensive threat because we know Ben Simmons can't shoot the three. He's hit 12 threes out of like 48 attempts in his career. So I mean, the guy's not a shooter. He's, no. he's more of a facilitator, and he's a great defensive player. And that's something I think the Nets could definitely value because when they play the Bucks and they got to have somebody play the Greek freak, you don't have to put too much stress on a guy like Kevin Durant. He can concentrate on his offensive game and defend a, a lesser, more potent offensive player where it can make him a better player and open up better for Kevin Durant. But when you look at this trade, I'll explain the trade. James Harden, Paul Millsap goes back to the 76. And losing Paul Millsap, he's a good playoff player. He's a good bench player and a good defensive player. So you're losing a significant piece. The Nets get Ben Simmons, three-time all-star and a very good player. I believe one of the more underrated defensive players in the league. Seth Curry, 
Andre Drummond, who I think, one way or another, they're going to waive, and a 2022 and a 2027 first-round pick, which the 2027 pick could be anything. It could be a lottery pick because it's a while away. It's four years away, and who knows where the 76 is going to be. Who knows the lottery format might change by then. But next year, the 2022 first-round pick is going to be like 29-30, mid-20s. So it's not something that's going to be valued, especially what the Nets lost giving up for James Harden. What did they give up? Four first-round draft picks? Well, the Nets could very much be, in the next two years, if Kevin Durant decides next year to opt out of his contract and leave like James Harden, it could be Kyrie Irvin and Ben Simmons. <laughs> Kyrie Irvin, who doesn't want to get the v- vaccination, so he's not going to be playing any home games, and Ben Simmons, who can't hit a free throw. Let's be honest. I think the, the Brooklyn Nets are in a situation that it's a must-win now with Kevin Durant, so they better find a way to win, and I don't like this trade for the Nets. I think this definitely absolutely benefits the 76ers because even without Ben Simmons, they're the fourth or fifth seed throughout this season. You add James Harden, that can move you all the way to the second or maybe even third seed going into the playoffs. And James Harden, even though he has not been a good playoff player, it could change. It could very much change. Throughout this trade deadline, there was nothing that really stuck out for the Knicks. The Knicks, they got Cam Reddish. They didn't trade away Randall. I think the Knicks were very smart staying put. You don't give away a player because he, you just want to get rid of him. Right. You wait until the offseason. You wait until a player becomes available. Who knows? Anthony Davis could be available in the offseason. And if that's the case... There's a good chance that the Knicks could go after an Anthony Davis and add a superstar player of that magnitude. And that could change everything in the outcome of where this team is. So I think you hold on to Julius Randle. His contract is affordable to teams. See what you have with him for the rest of the season. If he could somehow change the way he is playing in the second half of this season, who knows? Julius Randle could absolutely move his offense and his his scoring to 22, 23 points a game. And then he'd be even more worth it to teams in the offseason to make a trade. Even Bradley Beal, who might be available in the offseason, trading for Bradley Beal for Julius Randle. The Mavericks make a trade, and I, oh, isn't this so soothing to hear this? And I, I've been saying this over and over again. The Mavericks trade, and they send Porzingis, which everybody has heard over the last year and a half that Porzingis and Luka Doncic, who supposedly Porzingis wanted to play with his good friend over there in Dallas, Luka Doncic and him have not been getting along in the locker room. And, and as Luka becomes the superstar that he is, Porzingis feels like he's been left out. And Porzingis gets traded to the Wizards, a team that uh, just traded away Spencer Dinwiddie. And they're probably trading away Bradley Beal in the offseason. So guess who's going to be the lead guy who's going to be the face of that organization, that crappy organization? That is Chris Tapps Porzingis. And he could have done this in New York. He could have really built himself a brand in New York, but him and his brother wanted to own a piece of the Knicks. If he wasn't getting in trouble with women or jumping off boats or tearing his ACL, he was doing other things, undermining the New York Knicks and and obviously James Dolan and the coaching staff. So happy to see Porzingis suffering with Washington. Two things that could be noted of both the Harden trade and the Porzingis trade. The moral of it is NBA relationships could look good at first and then become so fragile all uh, within less than a year. Yeah, and Porzingis can't stay healthy, so he's oh, yeah. a, a lopsided <laughs> big man who got paid a lot of money to do nothing, okay? And that's coming from a Knicks fan who actually loved him and loved when the Knicks drafted him. He just has been a selfish player and he deserves where he is now. And let's see what this selfish player could do with a wizard team that's going to be Beal-less 
And now a Spencer Dinwiddie player that goes to Dallas, who I think absolutely fits the culture over there. I think that's a good move for Dallas. Montrez Harrell, they traded so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and they, uh, they also, Davis Bertans. So uh, the Wizards lose a player like that of that magnitude as well. Uh, the Celtics acquire White from the Spurs. I think Derek White's a good young player. We don't know what he's going to be, but... Uh, they gave up Josh Richards, Romeo Langford, a first round 2022 first round draft pick, and a 2022-28 first round draft pick. And you see this. Is this opening up a, a place for a Bradley Beal, which everybody keeps talking about? It doesn't make sense why Bradley Beal would go there. Why do you have three shooters? Why do you need Jalen Brown? and Tatum, and now you had Bradley Beal. Does that make sense? I don't think so. I think they're going to use White more in a point guard role just because they also trade Jenna Schroeder, too. Do you trade Jalen Brown for Beal? Because he's still under contract. Maybe. Maybe you trade Brown or a Tatum uh, to bring in a Bradley Beal. But giving up a 2022 uh, first-round draft pick, I mean, that could be a lottery pick. That could absolutely be a lottery pick uh, for the Spurs. And right now they're sitting, I think, in a lottery pick in the Western Conference. Yeah. Celtics made another trade. They get Dice. A former Celtic. He returns. Dennis Schroeder, Ennis Freedom, and Bruno Fernando. Ennis Freedom with his new name, Ennis Cantor, formerly. Back to the Celtics as well. They just I, want their old guys back. I, I think what they're doing is they're shedding salaries because they're looking to open up in the offseason and, and try to make moves to free agency, which is a smart move by the Celtics. And and obviously this team is not going to win with their two superstars, so they're going to have to rid one of them. Honestly, Jalen Brown's had a sensational year. So I think Tatum is the better of the players. So right now with Jalen Brown having the season that he's having, he is a perfect trade piece where you can get yourself a great player for him. So... I expect Jalen Brown to be the guy that they're going to trade away, not Tatum. Bucks get a Baca, a second-round pick, two second-round picks from Sacramento, Detroit. This is a three-man trade, a three-team trade, and cash consideration from the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers get Ronnie Hood, Semi Ojele, Vanja Markikova. The Kings get Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles, uh, David Micheno, and a uh, second-round pick. So. Nothing special. A lot of college them. studs that oh. really have a pet out of the NBA. And Marvin Bagley the third goes to the Pistons. Finally, he goes yep. somewhere and maybe he gets <laughs> some playing time. The Hornets acquire Harrell from Wizards. Mantras Harrell, who played very well for the LA Lakers last year. I was very surprised they traded him. Uh, the Hornets get a very good player who can rebound and could do it. Could be a good leader on the court. The Wizards, Vernon Carey Jr., uh, Ish Smith. I like Ish Smith a lot. <laughs> Ish Smith now goes to his 11th team. <laughs> it's so surprising because I know he's small, but he's fun to watch. He, he's a guy I think the Knicks should look at. Craig returns to the Suns, Torrey Craig and Cash. Pacers get Jalen Smith in a 2022 Second round pick. The Suns deal Aaron Holiday. I mean, the Suns did a lot of things. The Raptors trade Jogic to the Spurs. I like that move. The Raptors get uh, Young and Eubank in a 2022 second round pick. And Goring Jogic and a 2022 first round pick go to the Spurs. And Spurs are just stocking up on first round draft picks. They got three in this year's draft. Uh, fantastic. Right now, they're trying to rebuild the Magic Land Ball and Dozier. Celtics get a 2023 second-round pick. Big whoop. The rest of the trades, I mean, obviously, everybody CJ knows. McCollum was the other big yes, one. Yes, Sabonis go to the Kings. Tyrese Halliburton, I think this was a terrible trade, by the yeah. way, by the Kings. Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson go all the way to the Pacers. And Sabonis, Holiday, Lamb, and a second-round pick go to the Kings. Horrible trade. Trailblazers. Uh, trade away uh, McCollum, C.J. McCollum, to the Pelicans. The Pelicans get C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. And the Blazers get Josh Hart, Big Whoop, Alexander Walker, and D.D. Luzada. And uh, a 2022 first-round draft pick uh, protected, which is not good. 2026 second-round pick and a 2027 
second-round pick. And the Cavaliers, by the way, Karis LeVert goes to the Cavaliers uh, with his former team partner over there with the Brooklyn Nets. Really a structuring a very good team and a 2022 uh, from Miami. The Pacers get Ricky Rubio, a first-round pick this year, lottery protected, which is not good again, a 2022 and a two 2022 second-round picks. I think the Clippers made out on this trade. The Clippers get Norman Powell and Robert Covington for Eric Bledsoe, Justin Winslow, who's been an absolute bust yeah. ever since he's come into the league, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second-round draft pick from And we all know about Rondo going to the Cavaliers. is a very nice move for them, especially if they're a playoff team. So mm-hmm. when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, the final segment of the week, Crunch Time! Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. Nice Jewish music, Speedy. I like it. I like it. Oh, it fit it in. You know, give us variety on the show. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. My name is Errol Marks and my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out our app, the World Wide Sports Radio app, but go on iOS, WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Before we get into crunch time, I know a lot of hockey pit fans out here love listening to our show because of hockey, and we'll talk a lot about hockey next week, but the Rangers are right now still in their all-star break, and the Islanders last night did not show up against Edmonton. Hopefully tonight after the show, they show up against Calgary. They need to keep winning. They are... 19 points out of making the playoffs with Boston in a lead and, and obviously trying to chase these teams. Yes, because of COVID. Yes, because of... But that's not an excuse for a team that was in back-to-back Eastern Conference championships and a very talented team, to say the least. Speedy, you ready? Yes. Time for Crunch Time! It's time for Crunch Time! So for Super Bowl 56, we will do six. Six questions for today. The first of which being buy or sell. Cooper Cup will have seven plus catches and 125 plus yards in this game. I'm going to buy it. I think Cooper Cup is the only guy that's going to explode on the L.A. Rams. And that has a lot to do with what the Bengals are going to really strategically take out Odell Beckham and Jefferson and try to take out their running game. I'm going to buy it. I'm definitely going to buy this one. The Bengals can double team all he wants, but we've seen him them adjust the whole time. The 49ers did it, and they're going to be targeting him a lot in this game. Both Offensive player of the year, baby. Yes, they're going to target him a lot, both in the slot and outside. I'm going to buy it. Buy or sell? The Rams' three-headed running backs will have more combined rushing yards than Joe Mixon. I'm going to sell that. I think Joe Mixon is a big part of this game. I think he's going to be able to run, especially on the outside. He is a big part on why I think the Bengals could win the game. I am going to sell that. I'm going to buy it because I'm very encouraged of what they did against the 49ers, being able to stop the run the way they did. That is a good running scheme that Kyle Shanahan has. Now, granted, Debo Samuel's injury probably didn't help that because they were using him a lot in the running game. But still, that's encouraging for a Rams team with the interior, especially against this Bengals rushing attack. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to buy it. Buy or sell? 
somebody other than Jamar Chase will lead the Bengals in receiving yards. I'm going to buy it. I think Higgins or Boyd, expect Boyd to really show his face in this game. I think when you look at the two guys that have really been dominating throughout the playoffs, Jamar Chase and Higgins, the L.A. Rams are going to try every way to take them out of the game. And then you forget about Boyd, who, to me, has been one of the best, more underrated wide receivers in the league, really, for the last couple of years. So give me Boyd. I'm going to buy it, too. I, I agree with you completely. Boyd, I think, is going to be the guy after the catch. Also, under pressure for Burrow, a good security blanket type option. The Rams over the middle of the field. Taylor Rapp, if he does play, is not going to be 100%. Troy Reader is a young linebacker. And the backup safeties have played well, but they're still not great. So I think that'll be a matchup they definitely expose. I think Boyd will be the leading receiver in this game. So I will buy it. One of the two young kickers will miss a field goal. I absolutely am going to buy it. So much stress. I know everybody says, well, the wind is no humidity in the air. That doesn't matter. There's a lot of pressure in the air. And McPherson, who hasn't missed a field goal throughout the playoffs, 13 in a row, he could miss. Gay has missed field goals throughout the playoffs. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to sell it. I think the indoor definitely helps with that. I think it's going to be a miss. It'll be a block. I know both these kickers are very good. And I think you're going to well, see. Well, block is a miss. I know. I know. But I think that's the only chance you'll see it. I think you're going to see these teams stall in the red zone a lot, too, just because the Rams proved a lot against the run. And the Bengals has stopped the run well. So I think you'll see a lot of shorter field goals, not as much longer ones. So I'm going to sell it. Buy or sell. Both Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford has 250 plus yards and two plus touchdowns. I'm going to buy it. I think both players will. I don't know about a third touchdown, but I think both will have two touchdowns and I think both will have 250 yards. Both of them are sensational quarterbacks. I'm going to sell it because I think they're going to stall in the red zone a lot. I think you've seen the Bengals do it a lot. McPherson has 12 field goals. And I think the Bengals front seven is going to be a tough matchup for the Rams to get in completely too because they could also double team Cooper Cup with physical corners at that point more often and then try to test the one-on-one matchup. So I am going to sell it. All right, last one. The Super Bowl MVP will be a non-quarterback. I am going to sell it. There's no way in hell, especially in this Super Bowl with the two superstar quarterbacks in Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow. Whoever wins the game, it will be the quarterback that wins it. I'm going to buy it. I'm going Cooper Cup for MVP. I think he has a huge day in this one against the Bengals secondary. I think he gets the only passing touchdown in this game. I think the other run will be a rushing touchdown. And I think he'll be the most dominant force in this game. And I think the rest will really be spread out. And I don't think Matthew Stafford's stats will overpower enough for him to win MVP over 250 Cup. yards and two touchdowns is enough. I only think he's going to get one. Tom Brady, he won an MVP with 205 yards and two touchdowns. He won a Super Bowl MVP with all the players, the running games, James White scoring three touchdowns. They gave it to Tom Brady. So They also did give Edelman the one against the Rams, too, where, granted, I don't think Stafford will play as badly as Brady did in, the, in that game, but I think it's going to be kind of that low-scoring game. He'll have a lot of yards, but I think he'll only have the one touchdown, so I'm going to say Cup wins it. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. I hope everybody enjoyed Jarvis Green joining us. I hope everybody enjoyed Moneyline Mania, as we'll continue doing that week in and week out with our picks with Wes and some of the best handicappers with Chaz. I know it was just Wes and Chaz this week, but we're going to have some of the best handicappers. Must listen to this show every single week. If you're not listening to it, we are the best of the best on 103.9. Keep listening to us. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy this beautiful weather because it might get colder. Until next week, this is Errol Marks and Speedy. I need to comb my hair, Petey, saying goodnight, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody.